Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast on Family Vision Media. I'm so glad to have with me today Brandon Showalter. He's an investigative reporter with the Christian Post. It's ChristianPost.com, ChristianPost.com. So, Brandon, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Stacy. Good to be with you. So, let's talk about this. And this is not one of the subjects that I like. Um, in fact, this is one of the things that for me it's so hard to discuss. And then what ends up happening is most people not only don't want to hear me discuss it, they don't want to think about it. And so we shy away from this topic. It's so uncomfortable. And that gives the people on the opposing side of this a lot of room to destroy and create mayhem for children. So tell us about your article here. It's over at the Voices tab at Christian Post. Um, It's about trans surgeries. Well, it was inspired, Stacey, because I saw all of the interference running from the legacy press, the corporate media, in response to what broke loose with Boston Children's Hospital and then with Libs of TikTok's audio footage that she released from National Children's Hospital here in Washington, D.C. There's been so much what I call gaslighting coming from these institutions where these people, these, you know, people that are running interference for them and the medical institutions themselves are saying, no, 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 we're not doing these disfiguring sterilizing transgender surgeries, or put it in air quotes, gender-affirming, that's euphemism, gender-affirming surgeries like hysterectomies or, you know, vaginoplasties on minors. But I know someone personally whose daughter went to the state of Oregon and at 17, as a minor girl, on an outpatient basis, got both her breasts amputated, a mastectomy, and her entire reproductive system cut out, a hysterectomy, at age 17. And I'd also seen the peer-reviewed medical literature, some of the articles, showing where the gender clinicians and the doctors themselves said that, yes, these surgeries had been done on minors. So I was just so enraged by all of the lies that I saw in the corporate press that I knew, well, at the very least, I'm going to document what I know to be true and provide the receipts, if you will. The, so I collated a list of peer-reviewed medical journal articles like the Journal of Clinical Medicine, the Journal of Sexual Medicine, JAMA Pediatrics, The Lancet, all of which indisputably show in recent years that, yes, these disfiguring surgeries have indeed been done on minors. So at the very least, I'm going to provide the proof. Uh, And people, they may not trust it because it's Christian Post, and that's the attitude of our elites, but let the record show that, yes, these brutal surgeries are indeed happening to children. And frankly, I think it's one of the worst medical scandals we've ever seen. It is. It's actual physical mutilation of children and experimentation yes. because a lot of the data that's being collected about the kids as they go through the um, the hormone therapy, they're using it. They're actually collecting that information and using it to create new pharmaceutical uh, solutions. I'm using my quote fingers here. And also to um, basically create a body of work that supports their gender affirming it, it's demonic, but they're gender affirming lifestyle push. Um, so let's let's go into some more detail here. And I, I I ask you if you're listening to the podcast right now and you have it out, you know, on speakerphone, be careful that if you have small children around, it may be a bit disturbing. But let's go into some of what the legacy press outlets are skipping over. You document it literally bullet point by bullet point numerically in your article. Right. It's the journal articles. I mean, I, I figure I took a page from Libs of TikTok, with, which if people don't know what that is, if they're not on Twitter, it's a gal named Kaya Rachik, and she has just had the genius idea to hold up a mirror and expose the tactics of what these gender ideologues are doing, mostly in classrooms. But Boston Children's Hospital, as I mentioned a, a moment ago, 
their own videos where their own doctors at that hospital are talking openly about it. Then they scrubbed them from their own YouTube channel after um, an activist by the name of Billboard Chris tweeted them and then shared them with libs of TikTok, where I, I just figured, well, I'm going to do that. If they're going to say, if the corporate press is going to say, no, we've never done any of these surgeries to youth under the age of 18, I know what the literature says. And so I gave people the hyperlinks, the page numbers in some cases, the data tables, where, for example, at Boston Children's Hospital, according to the Journal of Clinical Medicine, in one of the data tables on page three, it shows that from 2017 to 2020, at that one gender surgery center, they performed 65 double mastectomies on minor girls. It's right there in black letters and numbers. So the proof's in the pudding, and don't take my word for it. Just look at it there. There are also these other disfiguring surgeries like vaginoplasties, where I believe it was a journal of, a journal of sexual medicine. And again, this is also linked in the article where it speaks of boys as young as 15 having their genitals amputated. And what they do in a vaginoplasty is they invert the penis uh, and they to create a, what, yeah, it doesn't, none, none of it looks real. And these, these pictures are truly horrifying. If you have to have to see these, you know, carnage, <laughs> what, what they do to that, these poor boys who undergo this, but they try to make a, what looks like a female sex organ in that boy's nether regions. And if the boy's been on puberty blockers, it's entirely possible that his genitals haven't even developed. And so they don't even have the raw materials to make a fake female sex organ, and they have to use a swatch of bowel tissue or stomach lining. And I think that's what happened to Jazz Jennings, that poor boy on TLC. And of course, it doesn't function like a real female sex organ. It, and in fact, it fills with fecal bacteria and smells terrible. It's but, but are you saying that it goes in the, the part of the body on the male anatomy that, where it, they create a space for it to go, or they put it back where he would normally use the restroom? Because I'm not understanding what's happening, unfortunately. Well, it's it's butchery, and none of this makes any sense, but they carve a cavity into his crotch, and then sometimes they'll use a swatch of bowel tissue to make it seem more like a female sex organ. And so they just, they're just mangling him down there to make it look like he has, you know, private female anatomy. But they, they, they invert the penile tissue to try to make it. There's There's a couple different ways they do it, but... Uh, Jazz Jennings, who had this surgery done on camera, uh, they um, basically what it was was a wound down there, and it split open as soon as soon after the the first surgery. And I think he's had three or four follow up quote unquote corrective surgeries because they disfigured his body. They they harmed the body with these surgeries. You know, we're designed for a reason. All of our systems, our endocrine system, all of what we are is supposed to work together in connected fashion and when you disfigure it you really hijack your whole body because your endocrine system is based on your sex your hormone levels are based on your biological sex and so if you remove your sex organs which you know instrumental in producing testosterone in boys for example you're going to do yourself a world of hurt and that's what so many of these people are going through now and as more and more detransitioners are starting to you know, put their head above the parapet and say, hey, actually, no, this didn't solve my problems. The harms that have been done are going to be unignorable. But shame on us for even allowing this to happen to a single child. And I don't think, Stacey, I don't think these surgeries are ethical for anyone, but it's especially bad that they're being done to minors. Okay. So this is the difficulty with this. I know it's a lot this... to take in. It's yeah, so with... hard, but it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm, but it's just that I, I, I felt the need to say, okay, if you're going to lie, 
and say that this is not happening to children. At the very least, I'm going to put out in front of you documented proof in peer-reviewed medical journals where the gender clinicians themselves admit to it in their own words. So take it up with them. Don't take my word for it. So when we talk about the, and, and this is, the, the, so I, I'm again, I'm, I'm going to what, what we know. So there's a lot of science behind the physical body, the actual uh, interplay between different parts of the physical body. The body actually, so for females, there are things that there's a, a natural order to the body that actually makes it possible for the different stages of life that women encounter for them to be gone through, if you will. What happens is the woman's body creates hormones that assist the physical parts in doing their function. Correct. Do, do I, so, so we don't we don't often think about this because this is probably the first time where we've had people who claim to be all about the science competing in right. like what they're saying. It competes right. with what science actually is. Yeah, um, that's right. So we we actually don't have like. We, if we were to say, normally we wouldn't even have this conversation because doctors would immediately shoot down any of this as being possible because doctors would say that, you know, it's impossible to, for instance, make a man or make a, make a female into a male. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can't make a right. man. It, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. So. Can't change sex. That's right. Right. You can't change it. And you would naturally not have anyone even claiming that it was possible. They would just, right. they just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But these are strange times because a nefarious ideology has gripped the medical arena. And it's scary, and I sound, some people like me sound like a crazy person, but then you realize how much of an industry there is behind this that's pushing this notion that you can somehow be something that you physically cannot be. It's impossible for a male to be a female. We knew this, but with the introduction of what I, and again, this goes in air quotes too. And let me tell you, if I, if I, if, if my air quote fingers were, uh, I, I'd be on the cover of men's fitness with as much of a workout as my air quote fingers are getting because of how many air quotes you need when you're talking about this junk. But uh, this notion of uh, air quoted gender identity, this idea that you can somehow be this identity even if it's opposite to your physical sex, that has gripped the minds of people in high places, particularly in hospitals and in the medical field. Yes, it's insane, but if you trace the roots of this and you follow a lot of the money that's driving this, you see a lot of nefarious, moneyed actors who are pushing this insanity. And there's a, there's a huge industry because there's an enormous profit incentive if you can get a child especially hooked on a lifetime of experimental medicalization, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and then perhaps a disfiguring surgery or two, those are dollar signs. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of power to be had in this space. And you would think that doctors who, you know, take an oath to do no harm, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, not many medical schools, fewer and fewer do that anymore. But these doctors can go through medical school and have no ethics training. And so even what is a physiological impossibility. They're acting as though it is possible, and they'll they'll fast track kids down this hormonal and surgical pathway without batting an eye. Some doctors will, and the, the ones that are objecting to it are scared to speak because of the ideological capture of their professional organizations. It's pretty scary times. So again, in a normal time space continuum, this is impossible because right. there's no way that the doctors would agree 
they just wouldn't. They they would say, ah, this just if you we know. had sane doctors, yeah, we're right, right. but no, we're not in normal times. So I, I was reading some articles about uh, where they were talking about the it's it's an interesting phenomenon where if a doctor this is in college, this is in medical school, if a doctor a, a professor I should say says something along the lines of you know um, uh, this issue is this this medical problem. Mm-hmm. Uniquely impacts women. Let's say, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. some of the students will get offended, raise their hands, and say, "We we we can't allow you to cisgender, right?" So the the students have been right, so right. brainwashed in undergrad that by yep. the time they get to medical school, they're forcing the professors to then toe this line. Correct. It's absolute insanity that we can't even use anatomically correct, biologically accurate words to describe reality, and I think that's what's so insidious and evil and totalitarian about this ideology is that it overtakes our very means of communication, our language. And, you know, I, as a Christian, I'm not one to quote French revolutionaries very often, but it was Voltaire who said, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And to that, I would just add and observe, there's no better way to make someone believe in an absurdity than by twisting our very means of communication, our language into something unrecognizable. That's what's happened. And, you know, I, how can we even communicate the most basic truth about the body, particularly in a medical setting where you need to know the truth about what's going on inside of your physical frame, and a doctor's just going to spout this nonsense? I mean, it's, it's really dire. So what is the answer here? Obviously, we need people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but in the interim of everybody experiencing revival, we really have to be in a position where we're protecting children. Yes. I think the first step is to push past your fears, Stacey, and just to be as bold as you can possibly be and recognize that what's going on in these children's hospitals and in clinics around this country is as bad as I'm describing it and probably worse. I've said often to friends who I know who are working in this space that this is what we know. We know that there are teenagers being disfigured. Uh, The youngest evidence that I've seen is that I've seen a gender clinician in California claim that a 12-year-old girl has had her breasts amputated. Um, But we know that this is happening to teenagers. These are minors. And so we have to speak up for the children. We just, I mean, I don't, if Christian leaders, if, if you can't speak with any kind of moral authority against what's happening to children, I mean, the Lord Jesus doesn't take too kindly when you hurt them. He said some strong words about millstones. And so you're going to have to push past your fear and be bold and recognize that this is a horrific medical scandal. And what's going on is probably worse in the shadows than, than what we even know about that's going on now. So I hope that, you know, my own journalistic work describing some of the things in detail and proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, indeed, it is happening will be the first step in people raising their voice. Um, so I don't, honestly, I don't care what people do. But now that you know what you know, I think it's incumbent upon each of us to just go to our knees and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say and do? And then just do whatever he says. Uh, there's, I don't have any activism strategies for any individual listener, but I mean, this is just unconscionable. These are atrocities that are going on all in the name of medicine. Um, that's just what I, I find so, so egregious about this is doctors who have such great social trust in our society and they are actively harming our children. It's just insane. And the insanity, I, I just I have to point this out again because I think it's so insidious. 
So doctors, you're right, they do have a, an immense amount of uh, like societal, they have this cachet about them, you know, people respect right, right. them. We have to take that away. And I, I, I like to compare it to the kind of fall we've seen on all of the other areas. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking for everyone when I say that Hollywood had a lot of respect, but there was a lot of admiration Mm-hmm. For people in Hollywood, whether it was well-placed or not, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. conversation, but people really admired Hollywood elites. So then you had, um, the, they fell from grace, you know, you had the Weinstein scandal, you've had the NFL, which was widely esteemed as something that, mm-hmm. you know, you just everyone should love and respect. And, you know, NFL players do so much philanthropy. We've now learned that they are just, it, the, the entire industry is rife with horrible behavior, sexual misconduct, and a lot of uh, people who should not have our admiration and respect, people who really need to work on themselves, um, right. but they're not working on themselves. They're just uh, exacerbating their, their negative traits, making things worse. Um, so if you look around, we've seen the same phenomenon in Almost every area of the public sphere, teachers have been mm-hmm. taken down. We yep. no longer can yep. universally respect them. And now we're seeing it in the medical profession. And so one of the things we have to do is we have to use wisdom and discernment and no longer That's just right. say, this industry, these people, like we'll say, um, that you know, they're, they're, these are great people. They deserve our respect or they're heroes. Well, not all firefighters are heroes. Not all teachers mm-hmm. are heroes. Rather, there are some in every industry we, we've been really remiss in just blanket applying this kind of uh, almost godlike admiration and stature to mm-hmm. individuals who are clearly flawed and don't deserve it. That's right. And when you see the systemic rot and the corruption and you see just how much the ideological takeover has happened across the board, you need to turn your discernment dial up to the to 10. I mean, that, that can't be overstated what you just said. Um, people that you thought you could trust, you, you need to go and take a look at the hospital where you're taking your kids to see if they have a, a gender center. And many of them do these days. There's, I mean, you just can't be too careful. I mean, and this is everywhere. This is not just in blue states or in large cities. I've gotten phone calls of parents who are trying to pull their kids from the jaws of this thing. And they're very, very conservative areas, very Christian influenced. I mean, I just... Wherever there's Wi-Fi, this movement is affecting your kids, and there are doctors who are not scrupulous at all that are willing to fast-track them down this pathway that has led to just catastrophic harm, just rips, shreds families to bits. I wouldn't wish the suffering that I know some moms and dads experience when their kids get mired in this on my worst enemy. It's horrific. Yeah, but that's the key here. We actually know that this is stealing, because when you talk about these surgeries, they're stealing the grandchildren away from parents who are unsuspecting. Right. They've simply mm-hmm. trusted that the school district that they volunteered in has their best interests at heart, right? They, mm-hmm. they literally saying right. to themselves, oh, that can't happen at my kid's school, but the pornographic mm-hmm. books are already there. The teachers yeah. who we have said are universally heroes, they're allowing mm-hmm. the pornographic books on the shelves. They're making mm-hmm. the statements about, you know, we need to call a, a, a person who's minor attracted. That's not a pedophile. That's a map. These. So now that we have the proof and the documentation, I've been saying, and I, I'm, Brandon, I'm just, I'm looking for reinforcements here because I feel like so much of what we do as that we call parenting in America today is really us saying, 
that group over there, they're heroes. They're qualified to take care of my child. That group over there, they're, they're, you know, they're the NFL player, you know, the Tim Tebow's, which Tim Tebow is amazing, but he's not equipped to raise your child. He should not be your child's primary great role model. So we can have role models and, you know, Billy Graham, we can think of all of these pillars in our society. But they're human beings, and if we have our children only respecting these people who are far away from them, that means their influences are far away too. It lessens our ability to impact our children, and God doesn't actually tell us to have the world disciple our children. He says we're supposed to do it. That's good. No, it's wonderful advice, and I think parents have to be on high alert because this is the most brutal assault on children and on families that I've ever seen. I mean, it's there's not a single thing where this ideology, when it encroaches upon a family, it destroys everything it touches. And so you need to be telling the truth to your children every day and keep close to them and pray over them because it's it's some serious darkness trying to ruin them. And that's not hyperbole. And then the thing I think also that parents should understand is that It's there whether they're paying attention or not. So this isn't one of those situations where, you know, we just take our kids to uh, the pediatrician and if anything goes wrong, the pediatrician, you know, says the test came back and they're not good or something like that. This is something that's going on in the background like an operating system and it's everywhere and it's going on with or without your consent. So you literally have to go and search it out, find out if it's going on in your kid's school. Then you have to take it into hand. So this is an active defense mode. You can't be passive with this one. That's right. Parents who call me who have endured this, they use words like, this has shattered my life. And they're not exaggerating. I mean, they had no idea that this kind of thing was even in the schools. And then they get blindsided by it. And then they start to do, you know, some of these processes like you're talking about where you have to get engaged and resist more and more. But I think this has caught so many people by surprise. But that can't deter you from doing whatever it takes to shield your children from this madness because this really does just devour them left and right. I, I, it's, it's the hill I'll die on. I'll plant my flag and say no. <laughs> yeah, and so the responsibility for what happens to our children is ours. So if it's quitting a job, if it's downsizing a house, if it's moving to a neighborhood where you can put them in public school, the decision has to be, okay, I, you know, we decided to have children. The children are already here, so we have to now take responsibility for what they're being exposed to. So even though I may feel, uh, you know, I, I don't want to quit my job, I don't want to leave my neighborhood, I, I don't want to make the changes that are necessary, once you've had the children, you don't have the choice to just, you know, ignore it or not not pay attention to it because it's paying attention to our kids. I think that pe- people are right. missing that aspect of this, that there is an insidious agenda out there. And if you have children, it's already working on your kids. That's right. No, your kids, if, especially if they're on tech, if they've got phones, <laughs> I would be checking them every single day. So what I'm going to say is, and, and it doesn't sound popular, especially for someone like me who I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm in, on Instagram, but I'm also a grown up. And for a lot of parents, they feel like these are 
you know, they have to have them. And well, if I, if I don't do that, my kids won't have friends. Your kids may be in the wrong neighborhood. They may have the wrong friend group. The expectation for your children may be incorrect. That's not a, you're a bad parent thing. That's a, Hey, I'm updating to the situation that I'm currently facing. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage people. Don't see this as an indictment of you as a parent or that you're bad. See it as, Oh wow, the culture has shifted and now I need to shift to protect my children. If if we think about this correctly, we'll actually end up protecting our children, but we we won't be in a situation where we feel like, you know, there's this constant guilt or recrimination, uh, you know, that type of thing. Absolutely. Uh and you're you're a good parent. You're, you social media is poison for your kids. It really is. I I'm that's not overstating it. Uh, they can do it when they're an adult. And I think they need to learn how to relate to each other in person. These tech-saturated kids are are hurting. And I totally agree with your statement there about this not being an indictment on parents. It's recognizing the sober realities of what's going on in the broader culture. And it's a lot of people out there to do children a lot of harm. They'll do them harm, and they'll do it right under your nose. I I saw a video of an influencer. Um, She was talking about something very sad that had happened to her family, her daughter was actually being groomed by someone right under her nose. The daughter spent a lot of time on social media. And when she figured out what was going on, she ended up um, taking her daughter's phone. But it was a very negative experience for their family because the daughter was not like she the daughter was not giving up the phone like the, it had gone so far that the mom was in danger of the child like maybe even running away. And so what she was telling everybody on the live stream was, you know, get get your child's phone and look for these things. And she was naming off a bunch of things that she wanted them to look for. And she was, you know, half in between tears, half in a rage. And I remember mm-hmm. watching it and thinking, because I didn't, and so it's not an influencer that I follow, but I looked at her, I clicked on her her feed. I looked at some of her content and it became patently clear to me that she was someone that I might follow. She does a whole lot of like videos about interior design, cute pics of her kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, outfit of the day, that type of stuff. A really fun kind of, you know, and and very, very popular, like lots of followers, not in the millions, but big. And I, I thought yeah. to myself, this woman is experiencing her child because I'm, you know, we always expect if someone has it together on social media that, you know, they're surely they don't have anything going on with their child. Surely they don't, you know, but the fact is that's, that's what the enemy is about. And we keep talking about this as an agenda for these people, an agenda with these, um, you know, with these doctors and all that. But the agenda is to lie, steal, kill, and destroy Right. Satan wants your grandkids. He doesn't want Christians reproducing and cranking out tons of other Christians. He doesn't want us to experience the joy of grandparenthood. He'd rather all of our children were same-sex attracted and can't make any future grandchildren for us because children are a gift from God. Grandchildren are the fruit of that reward. And I don't know any grandparents who don't love the grandkids. Like it's it's such a, an amazing milestone for life. If the enemy can take it from you, of course he's going to do that. So we're we're not looking at this in the right way. I'm, Brandon, I'm I'm concerned that in our desire to do activism, we're missing the bigger picture here. No, it's the point of you, you keep you bring up the grandparents, and that's it's absolutely true. It destroys your lineage. It destroys your heritage. It's, it's in the bloodline. It's, it's just absolutely a generational, you know, curse almost when, when this kind of thing goes off 
And I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, this transgender medicalization, particularly the surgeries and all the hormones, that one of the side effects is sterility. If that doesn't just say right there, just what's at stake here is that your generational line will stop if you don't, if this happens to at least one of your kids. I mean, it's, I, I got a phone call not so long ago from a father who is now realizes that he's not going to be a grandfather because of this kind of madness. Um, I, I do think your words about stealing, killing, and destroying, they're on point. And this is stealing something so precious. So people need to raise their voices and say no more. All right. So I'm putting the link to your articles at the Christian Post. You're an investigative journalist there. You have all of these notes here. This is the kind of thing that, first of all, if you have teenagers, you want to sit down and talk to them about this because they have children who are in the gender affirming universe in their sphere because they're converting children into this. Normally, you would find children who have gender dysphoria to be between one and three percent of any population. Um, Even a modern society like ours with sexual perversion everywhere, still one to three percent. But in the creation of this and creating uh, social emotional learning, um, DEI, CRT, all of these things work towards the end of converting children at the earliest possible age, sexualizing them and then converting them to the idea that they don't really have a gender. They, they're they much more likely to be in the wrong body, convincing them mm-hmm. of that so that you can create children who are suffering from this. That, that it, And that's how you know it's intentional and it comes from the enemy because mm-hmm. children aren't born this way at a high enough number for this to be a cultural phenomenon, so they have to be created. Um, Manufactured, manufactured, created out of whole cloth, out of healthy children. You take a healthy child and turn them into a child who has gender dysphoria. So I want everyone to uh, take some time to print the article out. If you have teenagers, even middle schoolers, you can talk about this content. You print it out. That was my technique. I would print out an article that I thought, oh, wow, got to talk to the kids about this. And I would put it on the kitchen table where they do homework. And one of them would come out and say, oh, oh, (laughs) oh, mom wants to talk about this (laughs) or do whatever you can. You got to talk to your kids. Right. They're being evangelized by all kinds of people in their sphere. And you mentioned Instagram and all these, these videos, they're very fun to watch by these gender influencers. It's totally capturing a generation and it's, um, I don't think God's going to look too kindly on it. I mean, if ever there was an issue where judgment comes on a nation, it's this corruption and abuse of children. I mean, it's just, you got to talk to your kids. I can't emphasize that enough. Got to talk to them, make them aware that you're aware. Because one thing with kids is if they think their parents don't know anything about a subject and it's uncomfortable, they probably won't bring it up. But if you are out front and you say, hey, uh, you got any friends who are suffering from this? Not are you suffering from it? Or, you know, this is horrible. These people are ungodly. These are, of course, everyone's ungodly and full of sin unless they know Jesus Christ. So it's not about demonizing the right. kids who are suffering from this because they're victims. Then yeah. we then yeah. we take it to the kids and we present it in the way that a Christian would, which is, I'm concerned about your friends who might be going through gender affirming care. If they follow the routine of most people who are suffering from gender dysphoria, they will eventually come out of this and want to be heterosexual. They Want to, will want to engage in heterosexual behaviors like marrying and having children. And if they've had surgery or puberty blockers, it will be impossible for them to do so. So let's talk about some strategies for discussing this. Let's talk about what you're seeing in your classroom. How many kids in your building that you know of or how many kids in your friend group or an adjacent friend group are suffering from this? You're presenting it in a caring investigative tone. You're you're not accusing anyone. You're not accusing your kids because the teachers are being positioned as heroes. 
We know that's not true either. Heroism is standing up to the people who are pushing this, not pushing it yourself. So um, I just want to give people some strategies. Is there anything you would add to that? I think you just need to be led by the Lord and just trust that if you're courageous enough to confront it and you don't accuse, but you, you make sure that your kids have it clear in their minds that they know in the depths of their being that they can talk to you and you take the lead in talking to them, that's going to make a world of difference. I mean, so with this kind of thing, you really need Holy Spirit wisdom and discernment, but you be the one to talk to your kids, because if you don't, they're going to be indoctrinated elsewhere. It's not a matter of if, but when. And so unless they hear it from you, I mean, that that's just, that's just so, so important. Well, I'm so glad that we had this conversation. It's a continuing conversation. There's so much information to be had. I will also put links to all of the Instagram accounts that are documenting this, that are actually bringing light to this. Um, of course, your article, Brandon, will be there as well. Senior investigative reporter with Christian Post, The Christian Post. It's christianpost.com, christianpost.com. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon and for doing this work. When we press in and go into the battlefield in the areas where others don't dare to tread, we're actually out with our swords doing God's work. And I really am appreciative of you doing that. Thank you, Stacey. So good to join you today. All right. Talk again soon. That was Brandon Showalter. He is a senior investigative reporter with The Christian Post, christianpost.com. I'm Stacey Washington, and this is the podcast for Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org. Catch you next time.